Roofers, are you tired of using a bunch of selling tools that don't talk to each other? Streamline your selling process with GAF Project. Manage leads, measurements, presentations, estimates, even payments right on your iPad. Visit GAF.com project. Hola, listeners. Welcome to Adventure Seed Podcast, a random roller podcast where every show is different. I am Whitney, and my co-host Heather is here today as well. We rolled a fun new adventure out of 20 possibilities, and of course, a new drink. We're talking about Star Trek The Next Generation Technical Manual by Rich Sternbach and Michael Dukuda, including an introduction by Gene Roddenberry. Woo! Yeah, that's a big old title. Um, I am drinking a cocktail in a can. And I have a nice cold Diet Dr. Pepper. So stick around and see what chaos we come up with today. Alrighty. Uh, before we get started, um, I want to say that uh, working on this one was uh, pretty interesting and uh, more fun than I thought it would be. But, ding, 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 I want to preface this by first saying I'm not a Star Trek expert. I'm not even a Star, pa- Star Trek pert. I don't know. I don't know yeah. what it goes. But I, I, I'm just not that. I am. I can talk about many other fandoms until I'm blue in the face. Star Trek is one I tried. It's a little hard. Uh, I've seen all the episodes, and I enjoy the show, but I've never dived deeper into the fandom than that. I wouldn't even go so far as to say that I'm a Trekkie. Uh, I just really enjoy the TV show. Um, so, just all that to say... <laughs> We are simply talking through a technical manual because that's what we rolled. And we want to be as random and interesting and it could be anything chaotic show possible. Mm -hmm. And um, we were talking about the kinds of geeks who like technical manuals. We've got engineers. Mm -hmm. We've got baseball statisticians. As I was reading this, I actually thought this might be really useful for someone that wants a deeper experience Star Trek roleplay game. Ooh, that's true. Mm-hmm. That would be a, an absolutely great way to do it. Um, what, like, what else? Um, I think someone would also really enjoy this if they like graphs, if they like deep show history. Um, Someone that would really love this is someone that likes to figure out how things work. Whew, we almost dropped our recorder. Oh, That's man. exciting. And we're not even halfway <laughs> through your, your cocktail. I only took a sip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Sorry for your all's ears on that. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> um, hopefully it's not too bad, and uh, we can deafen that a little bit in a post uh, post operations, post editing, no, post editing, oh, operations. <laughs> I grew up on Operation the Game, so yes. Um, uh, so one of the things that I wanted to say is, uh, as an artist, I really love that Gene Roddenberry said that the tech manual gave background to his vision, and he actually really loved it. He he loved the the creation of the maps, the diagrams, the all the content that's not on the show. Mm-hmm. And I really loved that the writers of this tech technical manual, Sternbach and um, Dakota, said if you are someone that wants to write Star Trek fan fiction, if you're someone that wants to employ some of this in like a role play game, 
Uh, don't go super duper deep. Getting too technical makes it really hard on the readers. They emphasize that Star Trek is about the people and the experiences that they have, the and journeys they go on. Not about the tech. The tech is the background. Yeah. But with that said, this manual is very tech heavy. It, well, I mean, it is tech heavy. It's a tech manual. It's a tech manual. Um, but I mean, that's that. I really do enjoy that aspect of it. Um, I had a Millennium Falcon tech manual mm -hmm. for years until I moved around and got rid of some stuff. So I mean, it's it's fun seeing the flavor text mm -hmm. that uh, comes from an experience like this. I, another part that I really liked was that the authors of this manual gave credit and spoke out in a shout out essentially yes. uh, to all of the people who have been a consult for the show, uh, been an engineer on the show saying, is this physically possible? Mm -hmm. Having physicists on the show saying, is this scientifically possible? Um, and, and, and what realms can we kind of push those boundaries and open up the imagination? And they didn't just give that credit for the people that worked on Next Generation. They gave it going all the way back to the original series. The original series, games, mm -hmm. anything. And they even acknowledged that this is not even a complete list. And they listed easily over 100 names. Um, and it just, it was really, really cool. And seeing all their nicknames, it was very funny. Like, where's my sandwich? Or where, when's lunch? <laughs> like, that one was, that one was pretty funny. Um, so I really, I really enjoyed that part a lot. As an artist, it's like, we all, not just artists, but especially artists, we just want to be seen and acknowledged. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. as much about anything else, but like just the, hey, thank you so much to this person for giving me this advice. Well, and we don't usually think about scientists and physicists and engineers as being artists, but the things that they create is art. I mean, so much is art to me. A chef is uh, is an artist. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, you, you are an artist as a teacher. Like the, the canvas that you paint your, your classroom yeah. and your teaching and your skill, I, I, everyone is an artist. And another point, we don't all geek the same. Right. So I can appreciate somebody totally geeking out on the tech manual. Mm -hmm. It's not me. Same here. I, I have a right brain and left brain, and I, I don't know which side of the brain this one is. That's how not tech manual person I am. <laughs> um, that being said, do you want to kind of deep dive about, like deep dive into this technical manual a little bit? Sure. So from the very beginning of this technical manual, I really enjoyed the story creation. Yes, this is technical. Yes, it gets very sciencey very quick. But in the beginning, they give a beautiful history of the mission of the starship, the goals that it had, the technical goals that it had, as well as the social goals uh, for exploring and for interacting with people. They also give a history of the name Enterprise and all of the ships that came before this. I know, I love that part. I actually made that note myself. It actually had me asking a question at one point because they talk about the third Enterprise, which is B. It's the third successor. Yes. Which I also made that note. I thought that was they funny. They don't have a captain listed for it. Oh, that's true. And it was the only one that didn't have a captain listed. And so part of me was like, if I were that deep fan, that's the fan fiction I would so write. So are you talking about NCC 1701C? No, B. B. B mm -hmm. is the one that didn't. Okay. Yeah, B didn't Because that's the... That's no, the no, it is C. It is C that doesn't... Okay. No, no, it's B. Because C's captain so was Captain Garrett. B is the third Garrett. one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I thought it was really neat that you got the history of all of the ships that came before it. 
And uh, I thought that it was really cool that you got those diagrams to see how the ship had I grown know, and I changed. I love it. What page is that, just for people following along? This is on page four, so it's really the very early part of the meal. But it's a really cool uh, component, and, and I'm a visual person, so that part of the tech manual totally dug. Yes. Another thing that I thought was really cool was when they gave all of the descriptions of how the ship was built and the order that it was built on. And this added a lot of like universe flavor text for me because it gave really quirky little tidbits of information that when you're watching the show never comes up, never matters. It never comes into play. Uh, but just to give you listeners an example, in the, the year 2355, it, oh no, sorry, 2354. It talks about how some of the whole sections uh, showed unacceptable welds. And so 2% of those welds were reworked to fix the problem. Those numbers it's sound just, a little off. <laughs> well, and so I was thinking like if I was a, a structural engineer on the Enterprise, if this was my manual for running my ship, I would probably want to know that only 2% were fixed. And so maybe my first year on the Enterprise, if I have a free day, I need to be checking some welds. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but just the fact that the writers of this manual thought of just that little tiny quirky detail to throw in here, it just makes the ship feel really real to me. Well, and speaking of theater of the mind from our last episode, uh, we we have a true sense of what all is happening here with this manual mm -hmm. because it's not just about the ship like you're saying. It's all the little tidbits, and that, that adds a lot of flavoring to this and a lot of components that... If you've never seen Star Trek, you can totally read this book. Oh, definitely. Because they also give so many great graphs and pictures. They describe so many systems in detail. You don't have to have an, a base knowledge of what you're looking at to understand this, especially if you have the engineering background or any, or any science background. So for those of us who do not, <laughs> can I point out one of the systems that I was really excited about yes, reading? Yes, uh, The saucer module separation system on page 26. It actually comes up in episode one and it's how Riker is more or less tested. Mm -hmm. Like he, he gets a little pre-trial to see if Picard or Jean-Luc, <laughs> if you will, is willing to let him be on the ship. Is mm -hmm. he really all that they say he is? And the saucer module, or the saucer part, disconnects from the battle section. And again, we're on page 26. So it, it, they, they separate. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of a big deal that they were separating because it gave all the civilians on the ship. So the engine, like not necessarily, the engineers' families, the scientists' mm -hmm. families, the doctors' family, like people who are non-combatants, non-combatants and needing safety, mm -hmm. they, they go up to the saucer and they shoot away. And the saucer doesn't have all the same components that the battle section does. Mm -hmm. But it's really cool that they get to shoot away and the battle section like turns into this like shark fin looking <laughs> monstrosity. It looks fierce. It does. And it's really cool. It's very aptly named. And that there were two bridges like totally threw me for a hot second. Mm -hmm. um, I, I personally like the bridge better on the, the saucer because it's just like it's the clean, the one we're used to seeing. But it was really cool to kind of see the red room, mm -hmm. um, the war room uh, of the battle section. Well, and so 
If you turn that page and go to page 29, I also really enjoyed the like worst case scenario, best atmospheric entry for just the saucer. So, because if, if you are in a battle situation where you have to get your, your non-combatant citizens to safety, they still might encounter unfriendly fire mm-hmm. or all sorts of other things. And so, again, from, like, if this was if this was the book that you're handed day one of your assignment on the Enterprise, because this is that ship's technical manual and you're in charge for running this feature, mm-hmm. it tells you how are you going to crash, like, crash land that saucer? Yeah. How are you going to safely get it somewhere? With the coolest UFO-looking <laughs> diagram ever on 29. Another component that I really like about the saucer, saucer module separation, it's not the component necessarily, but it's the... The sheer awe that I had for Riker and how everyone else, the awe that they had, especially Data's face, mm-hmm. he was just like, damn, son, you know, if he could have expressed an, that emotion. When you impress an android, <laughs> yeah, you know you've serious. done good. But, I mean, and he had so little doubt because he's like, yeah, uh, Captain wants me to do this manually and I'm going to do it. And he didn't even argue. He just took the order and he's like, I mean, you could see the like, mm-hmm. oh no, in his face. But yeah. he, he was like ready to do this. Yeah. And he... Like, everybody took their seats reluctantly. They took their seats. And he he landed that thing. Mm-hmm. And it, you have to connect, was it 18 brackets? Docking latches? Yes. Yeah, 18 docking latches. You had to get it in there perfectly to the millimeter. And I don't know about you all, but have you ever hooked up a horse trailer or a boat without that camera or without your spotter? Oh, it's rough. I mean, it's hard. It's super hard. So, like, my job. I dropped. can barely back my car into a parking space. He got it first try. And in fact, just was it was crazy to me. And and reading the technical manual and seeing all the things that had to line up perfectly, mm-hmm. that was so much more impressive. Because what I essentially did was went and picked out some of my favorites that I knew had ship scenes, mm-hmm. watched the whole episode, and every time it showed something I liked, I read the manual. So that was kind of a neat like side by side. Yeah. Well, and it gives you more appreciation for what went into the creation of those scenes on the show for sure. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I really enjoyed was. The things that are included in this manual, but were never seen on the show. Uh, as I was looking through at some of the ship's diagrams, one of the first things I noticed was the captain's yacht. Ooh, and I thought... A captain's yacht? Right. I'm so like, fancy. Well, and for me, like a yacht, I think giant boat in the water. So I knew it was some kind of ship. And drinking, you know, the co- cocktails in a can. <laughs> <laughs> on in my yacht. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I, I immediately wanted to know what this was. I started looking through the manual to find more references. And I don't remember ever seeing this on the ship. So I, of course, went to the Star Trek wiki. I wanted to find more about this on the internet because reading through this manual can get a little bulky. Uh, so I went through the internet wiki and found out that the yacht is this, like, really special ship that has staterooms and like ambassadors quarters and it would be used for special dignitary missions and when i thought about how many dignitary missions the star trek next generation enterprise had to go on there were quite a few but we never see that ship and so i'm not sure if it was a budget thing but I think that would be really cool to see in a movie at some point. This this special captain's yacht, a captain taking someone on this special... If it has been in a movie or in an episode that maybe we just haven't seen 
shoot us a message, mm-hmm. comment on this on our post because we would actually I kind of want to see mm-hmm. this in reality. They were talking, the authors were talking about in the introduction, and sometimes I read the introductions, sometimes I don't, but they were talking about how there are components that you've never seen because mm-hmm. they created it. And they left lots of components for the next generations to write about mm-hmm. about Star Trek. So there's so much that they don't show. Well, and on the wiki it talks about how like the captain's yacht is mentioned once in Next Gen and mm-hmm. then it's mentioned again in a different series. I feel like it's mentioned in the first episode when um, Data goes and gets uh, whoever the first captain was on the first Enterprise. I think that's who it was, and I didn't catch the name, Pike? so I'm really sorry. Was it? Pike. He's well, the old man at, in, at the very end of the show. Yeah, and he's Pike like, was the captain before Kirk was. So it might be him? Because mm-hmm. it wasn't Kirk. No. But now this manual, when looking at the history of the Enterprise, mentioned another captain, Captain April. And I had never even heard of Captain April. And I've I've watched all of the series. So maybe there's just something I missed in the show. I want to go back and listen for him. Well, and that's kind of why it's cool to have the technical manual a- alongside with the show. Because I miss, like, I can tell you all about what happened, but I don't know who did it. Yeah. I don't, like, I can see them, but I don't know their names. Mm-hmm. So that's where, like... Like I said earlier, baseball stats, like people who can just rattle off mm-hmm. what who was the quarterback on Notre Dame's 1993 baseball team or UT's football, like they can do that. I can't do that. Yeah. And so it was. it's nice to see. I get impressed like, with people that can quote movies. I can't even do that. Now I can do that. If I've seen it all, enough, I can definitely do that. No, I'm pretty sure my brain is like a sieve. It just goes in one side and back out the other. I mean, like, you know, go forth and prosper. Well, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like. May the force be with you. I know that quote. Well, wrong that's, that's wrong the fandom. Wrong fandom. <laughs> we don't want to upset anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, we don't all geek the same, and we some of us have multiple I just, fandoms. I just had to sneak a Star Wars <laughs> reference in there. You got your Millennium Falcon book earlier. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of Millennium Falcon, oh my gosh, I sent your husband a page, or a, a, um, a, a thing. The Millennium Falcon is listed in... This manual. It is on page 27. It is the latching system for the separation uh, saucer module system. Uh Uh-huh. Like, look in the dead center of the diagram on 2.7.2 latching system. Okay. It's the Millennium Falcon. Oh, that definitely is. They they drew the Millennium Falcon. They drew it. And I wonder if it was intentional. Like, they're saying, hey, man, we also like Star Wars. Bring some love because I mean Star Wars had been out at this point. Oh, definitely. Uh, so it was. It's kind of funny. I, I just wanted to say I needed to get my Star Wars in, so I'm glad you did too. So speaking of these little tiny Easter eggs that may reference other fandoms, one of the things yes. that was brought to our attention really early on because you you made a post on Facebook asking what people's favorite things were, and my husband Garen was the first to point it out and. Uh, Hopefully, listener Jason and Bowles. Jason from Brain Thought. Yes, he was able to find us the diagram very quickly. Um, there are whales and dolphins that help navigate the Enterprise because dolphins are the smartest they species are definitely. on Earth. And anyway. they, the whales use the echolocation, so like it makes sense if you're in a Absolutely. vast body of nothing. The navigation system. Yes. I mean, why not have an organic? Right. Uh, navigation systems as well. But I felt like that could possibly be a nod to uh, Douglas Adams. It has to be because so long and thanks for all the fish. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. It was so cute. I really loved and And you all pointed out, uh, Garen and Jason from Brain Thought also pointed out the little diagram. Like, it's in the book. 
Do you know what page number I it was? I have not been able to find it on the page. I have not been able to find it on the page either, and we'll find it. And maybe you all can comment below if you know where it is. But it shows on the ship's diagram. It actually shows little little whales and dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. And what was that deck called? The I want to say it was like deck twenty seven, but the navigation deck or nah, something. Satatonic or I don't, I don't know. know, like some science word. Yeah. Word. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it was a, it's it's really funny. Like they have food replication systems mm-hmm. that you never really go into detail about. Oh, speaking of replication systems, what about the holodecks? There were a lot more holodecks on this ship than I thought there were. First of all, not only that though, but just like the holographs themselves, mm-hmm. the rooms, the units. Um, do you not need that? Like, would you not need that as a you are a plant lady? Like. Oh. I would, the need, utmost. I would, would need, need that. All, well, I might even go down to some of, like, the... They have that entire deck that's just for, like, the the environmental sustainability of the ship. Like, if you want to create good oh, oxygen, oxygen on sure. your ship, like, I would probably live on that deck. I would visit the plants every well, day. Well, you would work there. But, like, <laughs> to, to have the experiences, the other experiences, mm-hmm. I think that you would probably... Definitely. Uh, definitely use out the whole... I know I would just because I'm a mermaid in my heart mm-hmm. of hearts, and there's no water... Oh, Unless you work in the navigation room, obviously. <laughs> but there's no water, really. Right, so, like, like it'd going be fun to the to beach. Go. Yeah, or... absolutely. Well, and in, in a later series, a Deep Space Nine, we see um, Captain Sisko and his son Jake go to holodecks quite often to play baseball. And they frequently play baseball with, like, some of baseball's past greats. So the fact that you can also have these, or, like, Data, who... Uh, does a lot of um, like human training, yeah. <laughs> well, for lack of training. a better word. But he also really enjoys doing Sherlock Holmes. Absolutely, that's true. Like the role playing and yeah. stuff. Yeah, and, and could you imagine playing Dungeons and Dragons in a hollow deck? That would be amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's really it, it really is cool, and it says that it. Um, there are components that make you feel like it genuinely is real. Mm-hmm. And, like, Wesley Crusher falls into the water. And, wa- like, that was one of the components where it is tactile and says you can... M- most of the things you can't take out of the holograph mm-hmm. deck or the holograph system that you're in. Right. But some of the things that... Because they do use the ship's matter to mm-hmm. create some of the feel feels. Right. And so when he falls into the water, you're he comes out wet. wet. It's yeah. hysterical. But a lot of people's favorite part is the holograph, the holographs, mm-hmm. because you you see so much of it in the show because they they really want to use that component to to capture the the mind and the spirit mm-hmm. and how it feels. And well, looks. and thinking about just like current VR technology today, I feel like for people that want to experience things that maybe would normally be out of reach, like that could be really fulfilling for somebody. Oh, for sure. I mean, how many things has Star Trek predicted? Mm-hmm. Star Trek and the uh, the Simpsons. Those two shows <laughs> have like predicted everything. They're the modern day prophets and Nostradamus <laughs> and stuff. I mean, they just they they know things like mm-hmm. the iPads and VR and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. It's just really it's really funny to see um, things come to life that. In real life that we've seen well, for years on have, TV. When you have showrunners who, who have done their best to base it in scientific theory, if you wait long enough, we hopefully will get most of these technologies or the technologies will be surpassed with something better yeah. because they have based it so strongly in scientific theory. 
so if you were interested in looking at the holographic environment simulators, you will find that in section 13.7.1 on page 156. Um, and there's some really cool information about that as well if you are into math. <laughs> <laughs> and science. A and lot of math and, and science. Yeah. The same for the transporter systems. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it, it was just, it, it was really fun to see everything. That they thought of lifeboats. They thought of rescue scenarios. Mm -hmm. They thought of uh, personal phasers. There's... There's pictures showing you the phasers that they use to, like, they're, like, mm -hmm. set to stun, you know? It, it's just really, it's really kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, so, stepping back from the technical manual, uh, what did you kind of take away from having this guide with you and the show? Like, what's, what did you I found get from a this? deeper appreciation for the character's knowledge. Uh, for example, um, O'Brien. He is... In the early series of Next Gen, he's he's just like a lackey that works in the engineering department. He eventually works his way up to, to being chief oh, engineer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But O'Brien has such a deep knowledge of the ship. If something breaks, he knows exactly where to go to fix it, which conduit, which duct, which system. And that is so much crammed into one person's brain if I had that job, I would have to be referencing this manual like every 20 seconds. But O'Brien just immediately knows exactly where it is and he goes like it's no big deal. He helped them write the manual. <laughs> <laughs> that institutional knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, but, and he doesn't just do it for, for the Enterprise. He gets transferred to Deep Space Nine for the next series and does it there too. He, he has such an impressive amount of knowledge as a character. Mm -hmm. uh, and hopefully, surely, the actor walked away with some of that after memorizing all those lines. But I just... Seeing O'Brien's character, storyline-wise, he often kind of gets the short end of the stick. He always ends up in these really weird, dumb situations. Um, it's almost like the butt of the joke in terms of storytelling. Yeah. But when you compare that to this epic amount of scientific knowledge he has, I really feel like it gave his character something more that the show maybe didn't like outwardly recognize, but when you have the knowledge of the technical manual and what all it included, it gave his character depth that I felt was previously lacking. That's true. I mean, that, and that's a really good point. This, this helped me understand the side characters better. Mm -hmm. And like when I'm watching TV or movies, I'm watching the background and listening to the foreground. Oh, that makes sense. Um, so I get to see a lot of weird Easter eggs, and I get to mm -hmm. see weird stuff like that. So, so to see a background character, a support character, if you will, and see, because the ship is a support character, you know, and to see that come to reality is, is really cool. Like I, I liked that a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, and when you look at the background of the Star Trek episodes, we only hear from a dozen or so characters an episode. Mm -hmm. And there's hundreds of there's, people. There's, or yeah. thousands, I, maybe? I, I want to say that the, the Enterprise can hold like five or six, maybe even ten. I could be completely wrong. Maybe it's a hundred. I'm sure it says so. in it's, the manual it's somewhere, somewhere in the manual. We could find it if we really um, But, I mean, the number of people that this, this ship houses, not just staff, but their families... Um, so there are tons of background characters that never have a line, that never have, like, their, their hot moment in the spotlight. They might occasionally get a yes, sir, 
captain, but that is it. And they are really the ones that keep this massive ship going. You Ability to support up to 5,000 non-crew personnel. So, like, including the, the hardcore team that we see right. on a regular basis, there's also an additional 5,000 people on board. Right. That's crazy. And that's just non-crew. So, I'm assuming if, if the average family is a family of four... We would have up to 7,000 people on the and ship. And the Enterprise meant so much to the the fleet, so much to the Federation. It was flagship. It, 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 not only was it its flagship, and it had successors because you can't get rid of a cool boat name. You right. know, you've got to have boat name one, boat name two, boat name three. Right. I mean, Lake Life, you know. Um, but they adopted the symbol because each ship had its mm-hmm. own symbol, and they adopted the Enterprise's symbol for the whole, like, we All are Star Wars. Yeah. We are the Republic or yeah. whatever. They were the fl- the like yeah. the Enterprise's symbol, and that that was adopted for mm-hmm. everything. So that was really kind of a cool thing to learn. Um, and and I just really I I, I like the show a little bit better now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that was nice. Do you like Star Trek a little bit better now? Oh, definitely. Because it, it's just, like, I understand it more. Well, and even It's not though, just a drama, because I don't though, like drama. Yeah, even though reading this technical manual was not my cup of tea, I would not want to voluntarily do it again. True. Um, part of me also wants to give technical manuals of other fandoms that I have. Millennium Falcon. I know, well, yes, and maybe, like, Serenity from... <gasps> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> For all you Firefly fans out there, it did deserve more seasons. Yeah. Um, but. A leaf on the wind. I know. They have comics, though, if you like comics. The comics are amazing. Speaking of comics, I want to take this moment to, uh, can we wrap that up? Oh, definitely. Okay, cool. Uh, I, I want to take this a moment to, um, okay, COVID-19, it's really affected a lot of us um, in, in weird ways, and Something that I've got chill bumps just talking about it. Yeah. Something that is very near and dear to my heart um, and for lots of weird societal reasons have been unable to partake the last little while, um, pre-COVID-19, definitely Mm -hmm. post-COVID-19. Green's Tavern is closing here in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I think they actually had their last weekend just this past week. By the time you hear this, it was their last weekend. And uh, yeah, that's heartbreaking. It was our first geek bar. Yeah, they, they were a, a standard of the geek community, board games, game nights, um, great meals. So uh, this, this pandemic has taken a, a true treasure, um, a dragon's hoard, if you will, of amazingness. And we wish Anya the very best and the crew there at Green's Tavern. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope to eventually see nest- something yeah. else that they are able to do in Knoxville. I'd love to see it. Um, And just so we can touch on some other local and Mm non-local comic shops, game shops, places that we want you to support and patronage uh, or be be a patron, Um, we, our our local game shops, comic stores, nerd taverns have been hit hard and so many places have been hit hard. But as geeks in our geek community, we've got to pull together, you Mm -hmm. know, like we've kind of been on our, our glory days, our golden era, if you will. And... This has taken a hit to lots of things. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really awesome if we can um, support some of our favorites um, and get, and so sorry for the ums, and get 
get out there. We have several new businesses. We have several old businesses that we want to talk about. And we're, we're going to go through a quick little list in no particular order. And if the, we left your business out, please shoot us a message. We will be happy to add you. Or add a comment, actually. Mm -hmm. Comments would be better because everyone can see them. Yes. Um, so comment below. Yeah. We, we want to we, plug we your business. We have not been just, all over Knoxville. We are not 100% sure where everyone is or what and you have as to offer. A girl, as a girl comic book reader and gamer, I'm not comfortable in some stores. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, but that's the tea that I've got to spill yeah. today. Well, because it's, it's just a reality that yeah, you just it, have to acknowledge. Yeah, and there's there's some stores that I just won't go to in Knoxville, and I will not support them. And if they comment, I might delete them. <laughs> I'm just joking. I won't delete them. But it just, I can't, I can't say their names. <laughs> you know Understandably. What I mean? So um, let's just start with some awesome shit. So our first one that I really love and want to support is Rocky at Crypto Comics. It is in Knoxville, Tennessee, and it is a comic shop. They've just recently gotten to Dungeons and & Dragons mm -hmm. and some Warhammer 2. So check out Rocky uh, in the Powell, Knoxville area. Uh, Level Up Games is another great one. It's in West Knoxville. Magic. And I actually graduated with one of their store owners from high school. That's so, awesome. Um, they, Give a shout out to him. What's uh, his name? Steven Hurst. What's up, dude? Uh, so they have uh, Magic. They also have Dungeons and Dragons. They have a really healthy Adventures League. They have a lot of games, to too. Mm -hmm. Now, they're doing uh, online gaming. Speaking yes, of are. our last show, they are remote gaming. Yes. So definitely check them out. Um, another one is Sci-Fi City uh, Games and Comics in Knoxville. They used to be located in Easttown Mall, and when the mall closed, they moved. So across from the Duck Pond. Yes, they're if you're across a local from the Duck Knoxville. Pond. Duck Pond. Yes, we're so Southern girls. <laughs> if you if you miss seeing them at the mall, they've been in Fountain City for a little while now. They have a huge play space, and all these shops ship just so you all yes, know if you're not here websites. and you're in Roanoke and you want to shout out to one of these shops, please do. Mm -hmm. Um, one that I also want to talk about, it's brand new, new business. It's called the Denton Mug, and it is a premium gaming tavern where you can, like, paint your own minis. Like, they have oh, paint wow. classes. They're, they've just opened the classes back up. Okay. You, they ask that you wear a mask, and they ask that you, um, they, they, they distance you so they have a cap, mm -hmm. a shorter cap. But, like, you can paint your own mini, hang out, have some breweries, hang out with your friends. So that's really cool. That's really awesome. And they have lots of game space, and they're really nice tables. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely suggest checking out the Dinner Mug. You can play games there, have drinks. Mm -hmm. um, another one is uh, Token Knoxville. What barcade. I, yeah, it's a barcade. But what I also love about Token is they are family-friendly. Yeah. I have a toddler, and so going out with... It's just loud, so it's not like... Yeah, people like... People with epilepsy, don't... Don't go there. No. But um, I have a toddler, and going out for drinks with friends got really hard after motherhood hit. Yeah, And I this was that. a bar that I could go to and take my infant child, and if I planned it right and went You've early, got a baby and a bar? Oh, I took that baby to the bar all the time. It's a quote. Oh. oh. It's a Reese Witherspoon <laughs> quote. <laughs> I do not do movie quotes. It's true. I know. <laughs> but um, if I planned it right and went early enough in the day, it was actually really quiet. I could enjoy arcading. I could enjoy a margarita. As a cosplayer, they have cosplaying every Friday night. Oh, and while wow. we're in COVID-19 status, they are cosplaying and serving curbside. So it's really adorable. Oh, that's so They've fun. They've got games, too. So, like, you can... You can game game or you can tabletop game. And they that's sell fantastic. their tabletop games. So oh, that's I cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, another one that I really like a lot is Battle and Brew. Speaking of cosplaying and Dragon Con, whoop whoop. Um, yeah, so Battle and Brew is so much fun. It's in Atlanta, Georgia area, and it's it's really cool. So check them out. 
Nirvana Comics Knoxville is another one. They have a lot of comic books. They really specialize in first appearances and graded books. So if you are a collector that enjoys uh, gathering first appearances or special covers, uh, they are one of the premier shops for that. And um, they also are gracious enough to allow us to record in their space. Well, we can record in their space. And Printed Panel Podcast has, like, really gets a lot of their the bulk of their comics mm-hmm. from Nirvana Comics. And... Um, it, it's also a f- like a female owned shop, mm-hmm. so that's that's really cool. That's really cool. Um, you you do have a safe space as a female buying comics mm-hmm. here, as well as crypto comics. Like yes. both both of those owners are just you know they're mm-hmm. great for allowing a safe inclusive space, not just for females but for anybody, whatever yes. you identify as. Mm-hmm. You have a safe home in either yeah. one of the shops. Nirvana is actually one of the only shops that is like LGBT certified safe space. Oh yeah, they've got the actual got rating, the, yeah. logged promote mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. yeah, which is really awesome. Um, Ooh, one of your favorites. Oh yes, yeah, so Star City Games is in Roanoke, which we is where we love Magic the Gathering here. Yes, uh, that's where my husband Garen's from. And um, they have the best selection of magic cards. If you're looking to buy an individual card, they have it. Uh, so they also ship. They have online shopping. It is so much fun. Well, Star City is the, it is capital T, yeah, the magic. And the fact that it's like in Roanoke of all, like it's just like a little small sleepy mountain valley town. Yeah, I love it. And and there's Star City Games, the place well, to buy CM, magic. Well, and CM Games, headquarters in Knoxville, Tennessee. Right. I didn't know if you knew that. Oh, but our headquarters, like the warehouse, they have every magic card in existence, oh, basically. That's really cool, too. And you can go make an appointment and go there. Uh, and one of our one of our last places that I kind of want to talk about, it's a secret geek bar. Mm-hmm. It doesn't know it's a geek bar, but it kind of knows it's a geek bar. It's Maple Hall. I don't know if you've been to Maple Hall downtown Knoxville. Yes, I love Maple Hall. Do you have you been to the upstairs? Yes, where they have the the games on the walls and the giant Scrabble. Yeah, it's so much fun. Like you're sitting there in this really awesome booth, and it sits like eight people, mm-hmm. and. You've got a giant scrabble board on the game. And they've got lots of tables and little lamps and like mm-hmm. a library. It's it's very much a social lounge and they will let you play D and D there or bring in your magic cards and play mm-hmm. there because that's what me and my partner do all the time. Yeah. We go and we battle each other to death and he usually beats me. And if but you need a nice break from from losing, which I frequently do when <laughs> I play. You can pull up a white Russian. <laughs> you can. <laughs> or you can go downstairs and, and, and shoot bowl. a bowl and, and bowl. That's yeah. what I mean, white Russian, the dude. Oh, oh. Um, oh, movie movie reference. I'm sorry, guys. That's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you can you can go and take your frustrations out on some pins, and it's a great time. Yeah, it's so much fun. So um, definitely support your local shop. Uh, keep them in in business because we want to see mm-hmm. them again. And all these places again ship or we'll send you gift cards mm-hmm. or whatever they've got to do. So uh, to the end of our, our chapter here today on this session, this has been a really fun little adventure oh, definitely. scene. Um, we are going to roll for our reading list for next show and our D20s for drinks. So Heather, would you like to, uh, actually, can I roll this time? Cause you rolled yes, last time. Yes. I want to roll our reading list. Three. Oh shoot, I rolled low. New York Times article. Woo! Right, and since you rolled this time, <laughs> I will let you pick the article. Yes, thank you. We, we will let you. We'll surprise y'all. And then we're also going to roll our d twenties for our drinks. Oh, and right. this, uh, I had Bahama Mama cocktail in a can, Ooh. two for three thirty three at the gas station. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> did you buy that this morning? Yeah, I did on the way here. <laughs> you can buy after a certain time of year. I just I love that you bought cocktails on a Sunday morning in a southern state. It's brand new and it blows my mind, and that's why I had to do it just because I could. <laughs> and it's a new thing. We've yeah. just recently. Guys, y'all look up the dry laws in the South. It's One of the most exciting things that has come out of COVID-19, not that I can enjoy it because I'm pregnant now, but I, curbside liquor pickup and curbside mixed drinks. Yeah. There is a petition. Like restaurants to go. I already yeah. signed that petition, girl. I signed it, too. Yeah. I hope this stays forever. We need to be the new Louisiana. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right, so let's roll up for our drinks. All right. You rolled a 12. So that will be red, red wine. I know that song. Yeah, you do. I rolled a 17, so I get another Diet Dr. Pepper. Now, okay, I will say that I made part of your drink list because, do you want to say it out loud? Oh, that I'm pregnant? Yeah, that you're pregnant. We've said it like every episode. I don't think we've said it in the... I, don't I said think it like five minutes oh, ago. Oh, crap. All right, so <laughs> she's pregger, so like her drink list was really hard because there's only certain things you can drink. Yes. So like in the higher numbers, because her Diet Dr. Pepper's arguably your favorite it's soda. It's definitely my favorite soda. Um, and, and you can only have so much caffeine a day, so mm-hmm. I have to... Like I... I'm the most unhealthy person when it comes to drinking beverages on the planet. My beverage drinking list as a normal human is liquor, wine, and soda pop. Well, and three of your top four is Diet Dr. Pepper because I made the list because I was like, girl loves her DP. Yes. (laughs) So I've had to cut back to one a day, and it's killing me. So getting to roll one of these and drink it on a Sunday morning is so exciting. Yeah, it's a treat. So, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun here today at Adventure Sea Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we rolled well. I was really nervous about it, and I thought this was going to be a hot mess. But it ended up being pleasant. Yes. <laughs> so, if you all think so as well, uh, let us know. If you do not think so, or if you are somebody who has gotten really upset because we misquoted a stat, mm-hmm. we are really sorry and if you tell us nicely about it, we will let the comments stay on there. But if you're mean, you know, don't be a dick. Yeah. Life philosophy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, follow our quest, Adventure Seed Podcast, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or wherever you get fa- podcasts. Are we on? We are officially on iTunes. Woo! So, like, Session Zero was a little rough, but, hey, we're here. Mm-hmm. And it's not just one thing. So, we're really excited about that. And don't forget to let the dice choose every now and again. Roll well. Woo! Bye, guys. Get a rare view into the human side of wealth management leaders, innovators, and influencers with the Big Reveal podcast from Suzanne Syracuse in partnership with InvestNet. Tune in and subscribe to find out why she calls it the Big Reveal. Roofers, are you tired of using a bunch of selling tools that don't talk to each other? Streamline your selling process with GAF Project. Manage leads, measurements, presentations, estimates, even payments right on your iPad. Visit gaf.com project.